Now, should I finish my coffee or just go straight into the Topo Chico? Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about motherhood books. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest reads, and share a few of our recent reads involving mothers. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, listeners. As you may know, we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the first episode of Book Talk Etc., And to celebrate, we are going to do an Ask Us Anything episode, and we need your help. We would love to answer your questions. So starting today, we will post on our Instagram, in our Instagram story, a question box where you can go in and ask us anything that you'd like to know. You are also welcome to email your questions to booktalketc at gmail.com. These can be questions for me, Tina, for Renee, for both of us, or for our editor, Jonathan. We've got a pretty quick turnaround on this one, so we're asking for your questions by May 18th. Thank you so much, and we can't wait to see what you want to know about us. Hey, Renee. Hey. How, how are, are you? you? <laughs> Sorry. <Jinx. laughs> no, how are you today? I'm medium, but I'm getting better now that it's time to talk about books. Like, I always yeah. get excited to, like, let me tell you about what I've been reading. I think I have a... You know I've read the books I'm bringing, but you don't know what I've thought about them, I think. Okay. And you don't know. I was going to say, I have no books. idea what you read. So I don't I think you know any of mine. Ooh. So I'm really excited to tell you. And I'm very excited about my loving lately. Oh, awesome. Very. Okay. So I'm excited to get into that if you're ready. I'm ready. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Let me let me tell you about it. Okay. This is what I love about doing a loving lately sometimes is not only bringing products that we love, but being able to highlight a small business in a woman-owned small business. And the one I want to talk about today is called Lake Time Supply. Amanda is the owner, and her company is based outside of Columbus. Now, she does have an online store, and she has a fantastic website, and that's at laketimesupply.com. And I first saw her pop-up store at a local mall last Christmas, And I got t-shirts there for both of my boys. One is a kayaker. The other likes jet skiing on the lake. Like They're both, in some way, they both like water. I got a sweatshirt for Darren and a coffee mug for him. And then last weekend, Darren and I went to a big street market in our community. Lots of small business owners with their tents and all that. And she had a tent. So I stopped to talk and we looked at, she had more t-shirts and sweatshirts and hats and I just really like her products. So we bought a few other t-shirts and a couple hats for the summer. And although I don't do yoga um, only because it kind of hurts my knee, but I love, I love the concepts of yoga. And so I bought one of her t-shirts. It was yellow and it's namaste at the lake. 
Nice. On the <laughs> and I really like it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get something. I love to wear black. So I thought, why not try yellow? I was going to say um, yellow. I know. I like a yellow number on you. It's very colorful. And for that particular line, she has a namaste collection. Mm-hmm. Every time someone buys something from that collection, she makes a donation to the National Alliance on Mental Health. So I really like that. Mm -hmm. I love supporting a local woman-owned business. What I really, really like about her T-shirts and sweatshirts, the ones that we picked out, they are super soft, super, super soft. And I don't know, I'm getting spoiled about wanting like my T-shirts to be really soft. And Darren likes his sweatshirts to be soft. So definitely, I love that. I love the designs. I love the colors. I love... I love what she's doing. On her website, she does offer free shipping if you spend over $50, free U.S. returns and exchanges. I will say everything that we bought was true to size, but if you have a question about sizing, you can always email her and she can help because she does have a wide variety of styles and it's quite possible that some could run differently. So I would, if you have a question, just ask her. I love that one of her goals for her company was to create a brand that was about relaxing and taking time to slow down and enjoy life. I I mean, I really, I like it. And so I think if you love being on or near the water, lakes especially, obviously, or you need a gift for someone who loves to be on a lake, you can't go wrong with her products. And that was Lake Time Supply. I love this. That's such a good one. And I'm wearing a t-shirt actually that Renee got me, I think for Christmas. It's from a different store. That's very soft though. Very Mm -hmm. soft. Very soft. I know that that's your kind of it is a it is a preference that I have. And a lot of people are making their t-shirts really, really soft. Mm -hmm. But I love being able to support a woman-owned business. Absolutely. And well, she works really hard. I mean, I've met her twice, but she's always yeah. work- she's she is always working really hard by herself. A hundred percent. That's my, like any time my dad owns a restaurant, and like he literally is there twenty four seven. So mm-hmm. I understand how much personal time you put into running your own business. So I do. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you brought it. Yeah. Well, what are you loving lately? Well, unfortunately, mine's from Amazon, so I don't <laughs> I don't have a great transition. But let me tell you about these. My loving lately are these AirPod Pro dupes that I got. Now, you might be asking me, Tina, why is it that you have AirPod dupes? I thought you had AirPods. Um, well, let me <laughs> tell you. Unfortunately, my kid and my dogs love to play with my AirPods, and I try and keep them away from them, but when they're charging, Lily really likes to go over and open the little case door and take it out with her tiny fingers. So I've had the first pair I had were like traditional AirPods. Those got eaten by the dogs. Second pair, she opened it. The dogs ate one. Which still worked, but it was like a little rough, rough in my ear. And the other one that did work, she hid somewhere in the house. So until they are older, I or until she is older, I am not going to buy regular AirPods anymore. And I'm like, let me see if I can find a dupe. I'm like literally so embarrassed that I keep destroying these things. That I do try and take care of my stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I, I looked on Amazon and I was curious if I can find an AirPod Pro dupe because I really mm-hmm. personally liked the Pro. I liked the way the air uh, noise canceling. I like the way they sit in my ears. But let me tell you, these were wonderful. When I bought them just a week ago, they were $24. I just looked. They're now $20 for these AirPods. Whoa. 
They literally look and feel just like the AirPods Pro to the point where John was like, wait, I thought you got dupes. I'm like, right, I did. They're a little bit different when you look at the actual like AirPod itself, but the case, so similar. They look exactly the same. Yeah. I'm showing in my camera here. And they do a great job with noise cancellation. I want to say they fit a little better in my ear than the AirPods Pro even. Like, they fit really, really well. They're also very sensitive to tapping. So I'm getting used to that because it literally, I hung up on Renee earlier (laughs) on accident because I was trying to adjust it. So they do work really well. These connect to my phone faster than my AirPods. Not kidding. Like immediately, instantly will connect to my phone. Now, I've only had these for about maybe a week and a half or so. I haven't had any issues so far. I also walk around my entire house with them. I'll go outside. They're still connected. So you don't get that like, you know, break in connection. I'm really excited because I'm like, okay, I love them. And of course, now that I've got these cheap versions, they're going to last way longer. The dogs won't want anything to do with them. But if you are somebody who wants to try Bluetooth headphones, I highly recommend these. 20 bucks. I can't believe it. They're like an eighth of the price of the real thing. So yeah. Anyways, these are my dupe AirPods Pro and I got these from Amazon. Is there a name on that that people should look for? I know we'll we'll try to link. We'll link to it in the show notes, but you're right because there were a lot of different versions. I kind of just looked to see ratings. I was curious. These ones are they have their whole store on here. So it's the Haying Active Noise Canceling True Wireless Earbuds. Oh, and awesome. yeah, they've got 4 stars out of 1900 ratings. So maybe not as many as some, but they also have a black version, which I think look pretty cool. But anyway. Yeah, but that's for that price. For that, that price, it's worth a shot. Yeah. I'm like so, so delighted because now I don't feel like so precious with them. Like, you know, heaven forbid something mm-hmm. happened. I'm like, okay, well, you know, get another. But anyway, that was my okay. discovery. That is actually really great timing um, because I am going to order a pair <laughs> for oh, nice. my, one of my sons. But I like what you said that it's fits in your ear better. I I can't wear the actual Air Apple AirPod Pros. Yeah, they fall out saying. of my ear. So, I may give these a shot just to have an extra pair um cuz I I cannot leave the house without my AirPods. Occasionally, <laughs> they're not charged and then Yeah. I get yeah, I will like, say the charger is obviously different. It's not the same as your app your phone because it's not an Apple product. It's one mm-hmm. of those it's like one of the universal chargers. I think that I've been seeing oh, more okay. and more. But I happen to have one it, did not come with a charger, but okay, I, gotcha. I still liked him. Okay. Well, I want to hear about what you've been reading lately. Okay. So this one I read a couple weeks ago, but I'm just now bringing it to the show. My latest read for today is Finding Me by Viola Davis. And I had my eye on this one ever since I heard it was coming out. I think early 2022. I was like, oh, I'm putting this on my radar. And I listened to it the first chance I got. I do recommend this on audio because she narrates. And obviously, she's got this really beautiful, rich, deep voice. And she's a great narrator, obviously, because she's an actress. So it is worth hearing her tell her story. This one's deep and insightful. It is a memoir in that we go from her early childhood all the way to present day. She grew up as one of six children and overcame some truly traumatic experiences. Like, they had a really rough go of it growing up. She calls it Po. We grew up poor. And, uh, Yeah, like they had to go to school with dirty clothes and, you know, didn't have enough to eat. So she really, really opened up about this. And unfortunately, she was bullied. She was discriminated against for being dark-skinned and had a rough time at school, but also at home because her dad 
had a lot of anger issues and would abuse their mother in front of the kids. So a lot of that was pretty tough to see. But because of all of this, her goal, like right out of the gate, was to get out of poverty. And so she started her career in acting pretty early through some summer camps and did everything she could to become this actress. And it was so inspiring to see the literal steps it took because sometimes when we're familiar with an actor or actress, we don't know all of the things it took to get them on our radar. Like we don't know those early days. And well, she started as a play act. She she was in a lot of plays. And eventually though, she did get into Juilliard's acting program, Mm -hmm. which is a crazy program. It's like a four-year long acting program, but it wasn't all easy once she gets to this Juilliard program because she, of course, is still carrying around all this trauma from her past, and she struggled a lot through her career. It was so interesting to see her talk about being a Black actress, how she was, even though they were casting for a Black actress, she was too Black, she was too dark-skinned, and really it wasn't until she got to play Annalise Keating on How to Get Away with Murder, where she really felt empowered to be, okay, be you. And Shonda Rhimes kind of wrote that character for Viola Davis to be her. And if you've seen that show, it's 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 incredible. She gave such interesting statistics about the slim chance that people have of actually making it. I mean, it's like 0.04% or something insanely low about actually making it. I loved hearing her tell her story about balancing her career and potentially motherhood or finding a partner. I loved her husband. She eventually finds, and she's so sweet when she talks about him. And in the physical copy, she shares a bunch of pictures. As far as memoirs go, this one's pretty short. It's only about 266 pages. And although I thought it ended where it made sense to end, I was still like, wait, I want more. I like, I want to see more. And it also made me want to rewatch How to Get Away with Murder. So I might do that because I really liked that show, mm-hmm. but I don't think I ever finished it. I love this memoir, though. If you like memoir, if you like hearing famous people tell their story. I absolutely think this was a good one. This was Finding Me by Viola Davis. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really good. It was great. And I didn't finish the show either. I no? did. I think I got about halfway through the first season. So we, we do not share our books ahead of time. No. And unless we're doing the episode on memoirs, we don't usually both bring a memoir. Mm-hmm. But I'm also bringing a you memoir are. as my latest read, but not the same one. Okay. What'd you get? I read, actually, I listened to speak, find your voice, trust your gut, and get from where you are to where you want to be by Tunde Oyune. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I'm just going to tell you that right (laughs) up front. I saw her on the Today Show this week. So as we're recording, her book just came out Tuesday, May 3rd, and I believe she was on the Today Show Monday morning. I was listening to her talk and fascinated. I was like, oh, I need to try to get that book. Now, mind you, this was Monday, and you and I are recording today on Friday, and I still needed to finish another book. And I'm like, I need to try to squeeze that in. I want that to be my latest read. And I was able to get the audio on Libro FM. I started it yesterday and listened to the whole thing. Awesome. It's really easy to listen to on audio. And she narrates, so I highly recommend the audio if you can get it. I don't do Peloton, but now I'm going to. We have the Peloton app, but I've never done a Peloton class. So I did re- I did realize once I was listening to her, oh, she's one of the cycling instructors oh, on okay. Peloton. Mm-hmm. But I really liked what she had to say about her book. And Speak is a book 
about how to transform grief, setbacks, and flaws into growth, self-confidence, and triumph. Now, sometimes the self-improvement books work for me and I think for others, and sometimes they don't. Hers really worked. She sets her book up in a way that is centered around SPEAK. So SPEAK is an acronym, and it stands for Surrender, Power, Empathy, Authenticity, and Knowledge. She tells her story and reveals her personal journey and the lessons she has learned about loss, love, body image, and building an intentional, joyful life and how she's done that and is still doing that. It's a process. And this is exactly the type of memoir that I really love because she sprinkles childhood throughout using relevant life stories. So it's not all childhood, childhood, childhood before we get to what's going on today. Like I love that she mixed it around and there wasn't a whole lot of childhood stories because I really wanted to know what is she doing today? There's not a lot of chronological order, which I liked. And there's really something for everyone in this memoir. She was honest and vulnerable, but uplifting and motivational, but not in a fake or preachy way. I don't tend to like memoirs that are, or self-improvement books that are preachy, and she wasn't. There wasn't anything in this book that I didn't like. And the way that she narrates, she put such passion and emotion into her story. It was truly flawless on audio. She does incorporate her stories of loss and she has a lot of loss. And I'm really glad that I went into this only knowing what I I saw her talk about on the Today Show, which wasn't a whole lot. So I I really had no idea what to expect. And I was really invested in her story and especially the amount of loss and how people come back from that and how she has come back from that and how motivating she is. When I'm listening to her talk and especially about the particular ride that she did following George Floyd's murder, it was, and and she kind of went over her notes, quote unquote notes for that ride and the It was amazing. And as a speaker, I think we will see more and more and more from her. She reminded me, I guess I felt listening to her, I felt like I used to feel listening to Oprah talk. Mm -hmm. I really did. Mm -hmm. And I miss that space of hearing Oprah express like her thoughts and opinions. And I really think we're going to be hearing more from Tune Day. And later today... I'm going to be on my, I am going to jump on the spin bike and do one of her classes. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So you have the Peloton app. App. Yes, just the the app. We don't have a, well, it is a subscription. Okay. It's an app subscription. Isn't that like six bucks or something for the? I don't know. Darren got the app, but he hasn't been able to use it. And I actually told him to cancel it. And now I'm glad he didn't because I'm going to, yeah, I'm not sure. I want to say it's oh, it's thirteen bucks a month. Yeah, okay, twelve ninety nine a month. Okay, yeah. So not horrible, but we don't have a Peloton bike. Got it. You just have a regular spin bike and then pull it up on like your phone. Um, You can airplay it from your phone onto our TV. TV. I know. Maybe I'll join you. I'm I'm so excited to do her class. I'm so excited. I don't know. I've never done a Peloton class, so 
she talks about the company a lot and the way and their philosophy and the way I guess I always assumed it was too hard for me. It would Mm -hmm. be too hard for me to do one of those classes. But after listening to the way she goes about her classes, I want to try it and eat. And I'll just go at my own pace. Right. Like, why not? Why do I think like I can't just go at my own pace? So anyway, that was Speak by Tunde Oyene. Yeah, I have this one too. And I'm like, okay, yep, I'll listen to it. Also, we don't have nearly enough quote unquote self-help or self-improvement books by people of color, let alone Mm -hmm. black women. So I am always like kind of got an eye out like, all right, is there one that I should get on my radar? I downloaded this. I had no idea who she is. I just like the cover. She's gorgeous. I was like, she must be like a model or something. I I was like, I'm curious. What is this about? And And she has a really fascinating story about her career as a makeup artist. Oh, interesting. I like that yeah. part. Okay. Yeah. So I'll it's, squeeze it's this great. in. Only like six or seven hours of on audio. So mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, all. you'll do it. You, you'll do it really fast. And here is the other thing about when I come across a book like this, I absolutely have to have a print copy now. <gasps> and so I'm buying it. I'm going to go to the store and buy it. I don't Mm -hmm. even really want to wait for it to be shipped because it's so fresh in my mind. I want to go back right now and I want to highlight certain things. And this is one that I don't even think, I mean, it's going on my five-star bookshelf, Mm -hmm. but I actually want to keep it close. Like I want to put it on my nightstand because I feel like I want to to open it up and be able to go to the parts that that maybe I want to start my day out with. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I like want to refer to this book. A set, it's, a, yeah. it's really that good. It's really wow. that good. All right, good. I'm so glad you brought that because I had it on my radar, but now I'm like, oh, now I must read it. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about books that incorporate motherhood. As of this recording, Mother's Day is Sunday, and this episode drops just after Mother's Day. And we want to acknowledge that this may not be an easy thing to talk about or an easy day for everyone. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there's those that have lost their mother or, or who want to be a mother and aren't yet or maybe don't want to have kids at all. And we honor all types of relationships. I will say my, both of my recs don't examine the motherhood experience too fully. They're different stories that incorporate mothers as characters, but we totally get if you have to skip parts of this episode. Right. And one of mine does, but not the other. And I think our intention is to not only talk about books with mothers as main characters, but also yeah. maybe some of our past reads we can mention and the publishing trend. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to dive too deeply into a lot of motherhood specific talk, but mm-hmm. it's going to center more on publishing and, you know, and mothers as characters in books. Yeah. Is this fair to say that this is a trope that you like or not even trope, but like a, is it fair to say that this is a reading subject you like or something that you enjoy to read about? Yes. Okay. And I, going back and looking, well, and trying to choose different books that I haven't read for this Mm -hmm. episode, I kept thinking, wow, I've already read, I've already read this. I've already read this, which has a mother (laughs) and it has a mother. And I didn't realize how many books I've already read that involve mothers in some way. Mm -hmm. I think the older I'm getting, the more I like to read about strong mothers, but also mothers grappling with real issues. So not necessarily a mother who 
is involved in a murder mystery or something and can't remember anything because Mm -hmm. she blacked out. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not quite into those really anymore. Yeah. I think that was a huge trend back in the day. And I think it still is to this point where motherhood is just so stressful and they're at the breaking point and there's, you know, nervous breakdown or amnesia or whatever. And like, yeah, I think we can do better. Mm -hmm. I'm over the quote unquote crazy mother. Oh, exactly. And a lot of times too, it's like due to their age and they're like 40. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or it's like, you know, due to like they're losing their identity and their husbands don't help, but they also like don't communicate with their husband. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just, I have issue with certain books that just make it such a stereotype. So for me, I've always enjoyed reading about motherhood as a theme. And I became a mother in 2020. And so for me, it's changed, I think, how I enjoy these books. I was trying to really parse out why is it that I like to read books about motherhood? And I've narrowed it down. This, for me, and not for everybody, but it's one of the most emotional and intense experiences or intense relationships I've had is with my daughter. And depending on what I'm reading, it's one of the very few things that will trigger me. Like, especially when I was pregnant, if there was certain things in the text mentioned, nope, I was out. I could not handle it. Specifically around like miscarriage, I I was too, I couldn't do it. It was too Mm -hmm. scary. I don't have magical thinking. And I knew that it wouldn't, reading about it wouldn't affect me. But I thought it made me think about everybody who has been affected by that. And it was just so, it just messes with my head. I also think motherhood can be a very singular experience. You can sort of feel Mm -hmm. very lonely. And for me, when I read on the page that somebody is going through something or experiencing something I'm going through, I feel seen. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, this is it. You've put it into words what I've been feeling. I also think moms get a lot of blame. Um, And this does absolutely happen in in text or in books as well. But it is a very interesting relationship to unpack. And I think after I had a kid, I started to dig these books more and more, especially the ones that deal with motherhood as a theme and like really kind of unspooling all of the facets of what that looks like. Right. I don't know. I do like seeing motherhood as a theme as well because, well, I'm in a different life phase in my motherhood. And it is kind of hard to find books with older mothers or written with adult children Although I'm finding more and more. And I don't know if that's just a funny coincidence or, you know, I'm putting that out in the book universe and I am finding, I'm finding those stories. And I really like it because like you said, it does make you feel seen. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of fun to read about maybe some mothers who say things that I want to say, but I don't. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yes. Like you can vicariously live through a lot of a lot of the mothers in some of these books and i really like that i agree and you can have different parenting experiences vicariously mm-hmm. cuz you know i would never do this but like too it like can make you mad she's like why 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 are you doing it this way and like you can kind of like question like you know but then we're not in the same situation but it is it's it's a fun relationship to read about and i think you're right i see a lot of books with older characters where they're the kids are grown, then that's it. Oh, they're not mothers anymore. The relationship's done. <laughs> like They don't really right. like take the time to like, you're still parenting your kids when they're in their 20s. Like, right. I see very early motherhood. And then I see sometimes in, you know, when they're like teens and things like that, certainly I think in teenage years. But then after that, it kind of like, well, that drops off. But I think right. there's still a lot to be said. Yes, exactly. And I was reading a little bit online about 
the publishing trends and Ooh, mm-hmm. something that, yeah, something they mentioned that we're seeing now, even as a kind of a new genre, they're calling it mum noir. Mom Noir, tell me about Mom it. Mom Noir, yeah. The gripping psychological thrillers that navigate the darker side of motherhood. Okay. And we mm-hmm. are seeing a lot of those, aren't we? We are, yeah. Um, the Push, number mm-hmm. one, by Ashley Audrain. I, I mean, that was one of the examples. So between that and books that show the impossible pressures of motherhood, mm-hmm. that's we're seeing a lot of those. And they talked about I'll link to this article, but they talked about in fiction, we're more open to seeing this theme of motherhood, especially the thornier feelings of like, there's some days where you just want to escape and leave. <laughs> yes. like, Bye. I'm gone. Yes, and, yeah. and then there's the burnout and anger. So that side of motherhood, we're oh, starting awesome. to see that in mm-hmm. fiction more and more. And I really like that. I think it shows a spectrum of motherhood, right? Yes, yes, it does. And you're and right. that is what it is. It is what it is. And I didn't even consider that, wow, probably, you know, not that long ago, there weren't books that were discussing the darker side of motherhood, right? Because mm-hmm. it just wasn't, mm-hmm. it was taboo almost to right. admit those things and to talk about the struggle, to talk about postpartum depression, to talk about these issues. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be this pillar or else you're crazy. Exactly, exactly. So I'm I'm all for this for these changes mm-hmm. in fiction and a lot of the non-fictions coming out with or about motherhood. I mean, right off, I'm thinking Bomb Shelter recently by yeah. Mary Laura Philpot, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which I liked many parts of that, but I didn't I also didn't like many parts of that, but these books are sharing some really honest mm-hmm. parts of motherhood. And yeah. so that I I like that. Do you have any other nonfiction or that you can think of? I do read a lot of nonfiction, not specifically about motherhood. I'm thinking, though, of Gabrielle Union's memoir, mm-hmm. You Got Anything Stronger. She opens up talking about, oh, my God, was this beautiful, about her struggles with conceiving and the mm-hmm. difficulties they had. And then she was an older mother. And then the judgment she would get from people about, oh, you can't give your husband a, a child. Like it oh, was wow. in, like really, really tough stuff that she just lays bare. This is her second nonfiction book. Her first was really great as well. But the second one really gets into motherhood. That one was quite good. Okay. Yeah. I do have other favorites in this motherhood space. Okay. Um, when I Ran Away, Alona Bannister, you all know I'm, <laughs> I will never stop talking about that one. I thought that one was really, really good. Quite dark, but also oddly light in some places. Like it felt when I read it like me to an extreme. So I really mm-hmm. liked that one. We already mentioned The Push. The Mothers by Britt Bennett, I thought was a really good example mm-hmm. of this in motherhood in its many, many forms or motherhood type relationships. The Light Between Oceans by M.L. Stedman. Oh my gosh, that one will break your heart. And then I thought about Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. That one was where a mother would kind of go to the ends of the earth to try and find her kid who had been taken. Loved that book. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I have a bunch. Well, like I said, when I started going through my Goodreads, I was like, wow, I have read a lot of books with mothers. So I won't name everything, but... The ones that stood out, and really, so many of these are five stars, which is crazy. So I think they're really hitting me. But Mary Jane had a mother. One of the mothers in that, I mean, the mother that she nannied for loved her. 
that was Jessica Anya Blout. I mean, we can't forget the mother in Confessions oh, by Kanae Minuto. <laughs> yeah. I mean. That, talk about a mother so, pushed to the edge. Wow. We cannot forget about that. Some that I don't know if I've mentioned on the show, because I have mentioned a lot, Like a House on Fire. Mm-hmm. Loved that. Oh, such, like, love that book. The World That We Knew by Alice Hoffman. And the mother really makes such a sacrifice at the beginning of that book. Um, and it's a mother-daughter, very much a mother-daughter aspect to that story. The Unbreakables by Lisa Barr, about a mother that really just decides to reinvent herself. And I loved that book. The Late Lamented Molly Marks by Sally Coslow. It was at times funny, but also really sad because she is a mother who's killed in the beginning and narrates the whole story by watching everyone from heaven. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it was really good. So those are a few. Oh, and how can I forget? An untamed state. Oh, right. Oh, wow. The main character in that was a mother and her desire to get back, to stay alive and get back for her child was... That feels the story. Yeah, so many. I I really have read so many good books Mm -hmm. with mothers in them. Yeah, they really are. They make for badass characters. Yes, exactly. And I don't always have to like the mother Mm -hmm. in the story to find the book page turning or give it five stars. And I'm thinking of The Paper Palace. I didn't necessarily like the mother in that book. I didn't, but still, I mean, it was still. And engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really good book. All right. Well, let's transition. Let's move into our reads because I know you said I, I knew what you were reading, but I actually can't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. So, okay. I'll share. My first book was Catch Us When We Fall by Juliet Fowler. And this one is a true redemption story with big emotions. I will give you a comp. It reminded me a little bit of Colleen Hoover's Reminders of Him. So if that puts you in the right mindset. Okay. This book's got a great opening scene. It's at a funeral where there are only two people in attendance, one who's inebriated and one who is furious. And we find out that they are the deceased's girlfriend and brother. So you have Cass Macklin, and she is an alcoholic. She and Ben, who has passed away, had a very loving relationship, and they were each other's entire lives, but they were not healthy for each other in that they were both alcoholics and basically just let themselves be drunk for the majority of the last decade. And so because of this, Ben's relationship with his brother Scott is frayed, but they still had love for each other. Now that Ben is dead, though, Cass has no idea what to do. She's got really no skills. She's going to lose their apartment. She feels like she's broke and has nowhere to go, and she's obviously scared. And then she finds out she's pregnant with Ben's baby. And so this changes everything for her, and she's determined to have a healthy pregnancy and get her life together. She wants to raise Ben's baby. Unfortunately, she does not have a relationship with her mother. She's got no real friends in her life that can help her or sober friends that can help her. And so the only one she thinks of is Ben's brother, Scott. And Scott happens to be well off as he is the third baseman for the Red Sox. And he, though, is very complicated as a character. He has means, but he also has a temper and he has problems of his own. So what you get with this is a story that follows Cass throughout her entire pregnancy. And you can't help but root for her. What I liked was that the author 
did not make it seem like being pregnant was a magic cure for her alcohol dependence. It wasn't like, oh, I'm pregnant now. I'll never have a drink again. Like it was very, very serious. Um, She took alcoholism very seriously. And she spends a lot of time in the book at AA meetings and struggles throughout. Like it's not a clear and simple, straightforward path. There's also another interesting mother relationship in this. Ben and Scott's mother makes an appearance, and she is really, really manipulative. But she was kind of hard to read and almost one-dimensional in her cruelty, but it made sense because she served to see and help us get to know Scott and what his problem is. I would say this book was great. It engaged me pretty much from the beginning. I had this book. I was carrying it in my car. It fell under the seat one time. I think I was going to donate it. And it fell in my back seat for literally months and months. And I remember seeing it, remember seeing it. We were on a trip and John ran into the store and I was in the car with Lily. I was like, oh my gosh, he took my phone because his phone had died. I was like, I have nothing to read. So I'm like, let me grab this book from under the seat. <laughs> and, and that was it. That's the one I picked up. Like I couldn't stop reading it. It was so oh, wow. random how this book came into my life. So I will say the book was a touch too long, and there was one whole plot storyline that involved sexual assault that I don't think really needed to be there. It didn't do much Mm -hmm. for the story. Still, I really, really enjoyed this. You meet a lot of characters. The characters are very complicated. And what I like is that you get to see that alcoholism affects the entire family. And that alcoholics come in many forms. It's not just this girl's broke and, you know, nothing Mm -hmm. going in her life. Like, there is another neighbor who she meets in AA who has it all ostensibly. And like, she also struggles with alcohol. I love the Boston setting. This book was very Boston. The bar that I used to work at in Boston was mentioned by name and I was delighted. It's the cask and flagon for anybody that's out there. (laughs) So you see Boston as a character and there was a lot of baseball chat, which I loved because I'm a sports fan. But if you don't like baseball, you might not care for that (laughs) section. But I liked it. This is a story filled with pain, with hope, and ultimately redemption. I would say this is not a light read, but it's very compulsive and it's very human. These people felt real. And I'm glad I picked this up and gave it a chance. This book was Catch Us When We Fall by Juliet Fowler. Okay. Wow. That's not one I I know anything about. So glad you put that on our radars. All right. What do you got? I'm going to save my most favorite for last. Okay. Well, not my most favorite. I think my latest read is my most favorite, but my first book is The End of Her by Sherry Lapina. Oh, yes, yes. Now, you might remember I have been working my way through Sherry Lapina's backlist. I only have one book left Uh after this. (laughs) So this was actually perfect for this topic. And I alternated print with audio and Carissa Vacker narrated. Now, I didn't think she was a narrator that I liked. This one I did. I actually really like this one on audio. So either way, I don't think you can go wrong. This is about Stephanie and Patrick, who are parents of colicky newborn twins. Boy, did I feel for her because one of my sons had colic. And Mm. to have that with two, I felt it. I very much felt that. And Stephanie is struggling with total exhaustion, stress, and a complete lack of sleep. And we know that can be disorienting when you have zero sleep. Yeah, yeah. So as she struggles with the disorienting effects of sleep deprivation, her husband Patrick is also struggling to keep up with the demands of his architectural job. So things become a lot more complicated 
when one day a woman named Erica from Patrick's past shows up and turns out she is the best friend of his first wife who died in an accident. She shows up and claims that Patrick's first wife, Lindsay, her best friend, she shows up and claims that Patrick's first wife's death wasn't actually an accident, but that he murdered her. Ah, okay. I was going to say, did you read this book before? Because you have another book where someone comes to the door saying that it it was the the first wife has died or something. Yes, I remember because I remember thinking the second wife answers the door and it's the first wife at the door. Oh, that was Unmissing. Okay, Mink Kent. By Mink and Kent. Okay, okay. I was like, wait. I totally forgot about that. Well, the first wife that in in Unmissing, the first wife shows up and is like, I'm still alive. I'm still here, baby. Because she was supposed to be, she was declared dead. That's it. This one is the first wife's best friend who is showing up to say that she thinks that Patrick actually murdered Got it. his first wife. So really that premise alone was enough that I needed to know. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. you know, the simplest premise is enough that a lot that as long as the writing is good, which it was, that like that kept me going. But the good thing about this story is it was filled with side plots and other characters along with Patrick and Erica and Stephanie. So there was plenty of other people involved that you weren't quite sure where how the threads were going to connect. So this was definitely a story filled with many unlikable people behaving badly. And I was good with that because Stephanie is the driving force as the mother and trying to figure out what is going on and what don't I know about my husband? And also she just couldn't exactly think straight. It was so realistic. And I guess my point is that's a realistic storyline versus I don't actually know what's going on because I'm drinking too much and <laughs> taking too many pills. Do you know what right. I mean? Yes. Like this is was very realistic. Something I love about this author's storytelling and plotting is that she lays out clues or details in ways that made me say, okay, to myself, okay, well, clearly this is going on, but that character won't figure it out for so long, but I've already figured it out. And then then boom, on the very next page, they figure it out. And so I'm like, oh, so she, the way she writes just keeps me guessing because mm-hmm. I never I know what clue she's going to give. or She keeps me very unsettled when I'm reading her books, and I really like that. I rooted for Stephanie not only to get some sleep, <laughs> but not to be manipulated by her husband or Erica. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to find out or read it to find out how that goes. I loved that the author made Stephanie someone who had her eyes open. She wasn't gullible, she wasn't stupid, and she wasn't clueless. I will say I didn't really have it figured out, and there was definitely a twist toward the end that came somewhat out of left field, but I'm not even, I, I don't even want to say anything about it because I want you to, to give it a try. The thing I wasn't crazy about and it is very important for me in my reading, the ending. Mm. The ending. Ah, oh, the only thing I can say about it was I finished it and I felt cheated. <gasps> no. Totally no. cheated. Oh, that's I the worst. I, was, I even I even had to like 
because at the time I finished it, I was on a walk and I had to go back like yeah. two, I went back like two minutes to see if, did I miss, what am, do not tell me this was the end. And it was. So sure. despite that, I still enjoyed it. Like, okay. It's a, it's an entertaining read or listen. If you just, if you want a little bit of a mystery and you want to, I don't know, just be entertained for a little bit, but know that you might not be happy with the ending. And that was The End of Her by Sherry Lapina. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes though, boy, those types of books, like the psychological thrillers, are some of my very favorite to mm-hmm. listen to, to have on, to get yeah. sucked in about. Because you're like, you know, it's kind of over the top sometimes or, you know, you, yes. there, it might not be plausible. But I like when it's a character that you don't. So a lot of times when you read those, you get a character that you despise. You're like, why are you such an idiot? Like, <laughs> you know, of course it's this, you know. Whereas it sounds like this one, you didn't despise the character. It's just the no. ending wasn't quite what you right. had hoped. Right, right. Okay. No, I really liked The Mother. I really liked Stephanie. I mean, yeah. And I really like the the interesting thing about that I'm finding with Sherry Lapina, because this is my fifth book. Fifth okay. Book? Yeah, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this is my fifth book. I have one more, which is Not a Happy Family. So that, which is her most recent. That'll be my next one by her. But my ratings for Sherry Lapina's books run the gamut of five stars for someone we know. Mm-hmm all the way down to barely three stars for A Stranger in the House. Oh. So that's the one I've I've liked the least. Okay. But everything else I re- have really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So I'll be happy when I am a completist on her yeah. books. I know. You're kind of inspiring me. I want to complete some authors. Stephen King's one, but that's like a lifetime goal because there's so mm-hmm. many books. Mm-hmm. I also really want to complete Lisa Jewell's backlist because she's got so many and I've read mm-hmm. a lot by her, but I think I'm not even halfway done because there's a lot. But oh, like, yeah. maybe I'll make a list because now I'm curious. Okay. All right. Well, what is next for you? All right. My next book is An Unthinkable Thing by Nicole Lundrigan. And this one's a coming-of-age mystery about a young boy who is on trial for the murder of three members of the rich family his mom works for. Very, very interesting setup. And so you have Tommy Ware, whose life is turned upside down in the summer of 1958. He is 11. He lives with his aunt. He's lived there his whole life. And she is the woman who raised him. But one night she doesn't come home. And we find out that she has been killed. And so Tommy, unfortunately, has nowhere to go except for with his mother. So his mother handed him over to her sister the day that he was born because she works as a live-in housekeeper in the lavish Hendbury estate. And her employers basically said, okay, I guess it's an extenuating circumstance. He can stay here until things get sorted out. But his mom is basically working for them 24-7. So he's kind of on his own, left to navigate this grief and to figure things out. It's this huge home with grounds. And so he like goes exploring and all these things. And the family has their own boy named Martin, who's four years older than Tommy. Very quickly, we find out something's up with Martin. He's not a good character. He manipulates Tommy and tries to get him to do his bidding. And he kind of like abuses animals. And you're like, oh, oh boy, no. I see where this is going. I really, really liked how this story was told. So you've got the story itself. It kind of goes in chronological order. But in between each chapter, you get excerpts of the trial. 
So you get different people on stand, you get different evidence that gets introduced. And so the story kind of unfolds that way. So the whole time you're trying to figure out like, wait, did Tommy do this? He's not this boy that they're painting him out to be on in trial. Like he seems like a really solid, good boy, so to speak. I will say he's 11 when this takes place. And even though he's the protagonist, it doesn't read like YA at all. It kind of reads like he's telling the story with some perspective. Like maybe he's some years older now and you're like getting the story of what happened. He is a wonderful character. I really, really wanted the best for him. And I was like, please let him get out of this mess somehow. Like what happened? There's this really sweet character of a goldfish he he takes with him. That's all he had from his aunt's house to this with his mom's like this goldfish. And he was really sweet with him. And as the story goes on, we come to figure out, like I said, Martin's got something up, but so does the Martin's mom. Like we figure out that Martin's mom and Tommy's mom have a very interesting relationship. And we figure out that the family is hiding something and that there is a very solid reason why Tommy's mother gave him up to her sister. And so I thought the pacing was great with this one. It kept me hooked from start to finish. I found that I really like stories about rich families and their relationship with their staff members. Like that relationship gets super interesting. And for this one, you can see, you get to see what money does to some people. I did not have things figured out with this one, although I did have my suspicions. So it's one of those where you know what happened. Yeah, these people get murdered, but like how and why and Mm. what led to that afternoon where they get shot. So if the sound of a character-driven historical mystery sounds good to you, Give this a shot. I liked the audio a lot. It was narrated by an actor named Nicholas Van Burek. And this book is An Unthinkable Thing by Nicole Lundergan. Oh, interesting. I have not seen anybody talk about this yet. No. So I think it just either. came out pretty recently. Okay. That does sound interesting. I'm wondering if he did it or who did it. I mean, I, you'll have to read and find <laughs> out. I can't Ooh. tell you. I can't tell you, I but know. I will say the evidence is pretty damning. You're like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. What's the story? But there is a story. All right. That sounds good. Okay. My next book I really, really enjoyed. It's Tomorrow There Will Be Sun by Dana Reinhart. Never heard of it. I know. I hadn't heard of it either. I picked this up based entirely on the title and cover when I was browsing at Barnes & Noble. I love that. How often does that happen? Never. (laughs) I know. But you know what? I've had – this is the second or third time it's happened to me on my Barnes and Noble browses. So I'm feeling like it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like now I can't wait to go because I'm like, what treasure am I going to find that I didn't know about? So I did mostly listen to this and the audio is, I, I'm calling her one of my new favorite audio narrators, Kirsten Potter. It was excellent. She did okay. an excellent job because this is a story and the mother narrates. And I'm going to tell you all about her. But this is about two families who arrive in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Jenna, the narrator of the story, is one is a mother. And she has organized the trip to celebrate her husband Peter's 50th birthday. She's been planning it for months. And she's sure everything is going to be just perfect. And of course, we know as readers that it's absolutely not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also on the trip are their 15-year-old daughter, Clementine, and Peter's best friend and business partner, Solly, his much younger wife, Ingrid, their, quote, wild five-year-old son, and Solly's teenage son, Malcolm, from his first marriage. So 
we have we have a good mix of people here amid the luxury house accommodations because it's a luxury house that they're renting on the on the ocean unlimited margaritas and beautiful ocean views cracks in the relationships begin to appear cracks between husbands and wives parents and their kids and between lifelong friends questions begin to swirl like what are the husbands actually up to what has happened to Jenna that makes this trip so important and her type A-ness at such a high level? How will she and Ingrid navigate their fraught relationship as Jenna is a best-selling young adult author who's experiencing writer's block and Ingrid is writing her first middle grade book and desperately wants Jenna's advice? So there are jealousies and insecurities There is so much I liked about this story, but I want to say, I really want to make it clear, it's not going to be for everyone. It's definitely a simmering, even I'm saying simmering versus slow, because for me, I was pulled in Mm -hmm. right away because it just hit me in the exact right mood. And so I'm going to call it simmering, layered, rich people behaving badly story but there's really much more to it than that. For me, it was a story about a mother trying to do it all and be everything to everyone. And what happens when she reaches her breaking point? Because Jenna narrates the story and I was invested in her from the start. Not that I loved her. I didn't always agree with her. She made some comments that I was like, yikes, like that cringeworthy, but I connected with so much of her commentary and insights on middle age, motherhood, marriage, and friendships. Now, this is billed as a middle age type of story, but she is actually 41. Oh, damn. And, uh, around 40. No, I take that back. She's 47, which to me, I, I don't know. I was thinking in my head, like middle age starts at 50. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And I'm saying, I don't know, but it is it quite a lot about that time of life and motherhood. And she is very particular about what she wants and what she expects and how she, how she expects this perfect vacation to go. If you like family dramas with humor and also a little teeny tiny bit of an underlying mystery, which I didn't know, but I was really pleasantly surprised once I found out there was a little bit of a mystery to this book. The story and the writing felt very realistic to me. And that being said, if bratty kids and mouthy teenagers bother you, just take note because that is throughout this book. There was, like I said, a bit of an underlying mystery, and it kept me trying to figure out exactly what was going on and who was doing what and how was it all going to turn out. I was really, really surprised at the way the author ended the story, but not in a bad way, just in a, oh, interesting. I wish I had somebody to talk about this with, and what would I do if I was in that situation? If you enjoy a slightly ambiguous ending that's really going to make you think and really make you want to talk with someone about it, then I definitely think you would like this book. I think it would be perfect for a summer read, especially great for book clubs. There is so much to discuss and pick apart. It would be great for a buddy read. 
So that was Tomorrow There Will Be Sun by Dana Reinhart. Fun. Oh, man. I like a, a browse around the bookstore kind of book. No, I so never do that. And when I do, <laughs> I, I was telling Amy when we were at the Lost Bookstore when I was in California, I'm like, when I look at when I'm at a bookstore, I cannot decide. I'm like, I've never seen books in my whole life. Like, I immediately forget <laughs> anything I've ever wanted to read. Like, I just, like, black out. Because I'm like, what is my pro- – I, ca- I have a really hard time in bookstores. Because I'm like, is this something I want on my shelf? Like, I way overthink it. Oh. So now I have, like, a list of books. I'm like, okay, if you see these, especially, like, at a used bookstore, grab them. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I need to just, like, let go and be like – it's okay if you buy a book and it's not your favorite. Like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) But like, you know, then when it is, though, like how exciting. It's fun for me. I don't know. And and I guess this is my new thing is just to go and see what covers and titles hit me. Mm -hmm. And then I'll pick it up and read maybe the first paragraph. Or I don't even know if I did with this one because, oh, there was a, I think I, I read a couple blurbs or whatever because I'll do that. And then I'll pull it up maybe on my phone and see, like, I don't usually go to Goodreads, but I may check Amazon quick. But I don't even know if I read, I may have read the first sentence or two of this one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm. But really, once I saw that this was set in Puerto Vallarta. Oh, yeah. I like that. It was a, like a vacation type of read. I don't know. That that really hit my mood. Will this be good for like a summer book reading? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, for sure. Because, well, the setting, mm-hmm. it's very, I mean, you do get a lot of the setting details with the beach. And I mean, you get a lot of that. And they go out and about in Puerto yeah. Vallarta. That's fun. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm not seeing this book around. Do you I'm, have it I'm, in front of you? It's from 2019. Do you have it next to you? Mm-mm. Oh, no, you kept looking over. I thought it was like right there. I was like, show me. No, it was my, uh, it was my notes to see oh. if I had anything else. Um, <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, I don't have it. It's a beachy. It's a yeah, beach cover. It's a pool setting. Okay. It's a like a, you can tell like kind of like a resort style pool setting, but it's also a little bit cloudy. It's not a bright, sunny cover. And I was like, I actually Mm. caught that. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is because tomorrow there will be sun. Why isn't there sun on the cover? What's happening in that story? Smart. Uh Uh All right. It's not your first (laughs) time. This is my new fun thing that I do when I go to Barnes and Noble. (laughs) I would love like a running commentary. Okay, here I am. And look at this cover. So here we have Uh this cover. It's a little cloudy. Where's the sun? Like, I want this commentary. (laughs) All right. Well, I have a shelf edition that also fits into our motherhood theme. This book is called Rough Draft, Motherhood and Journalism in a World Gone Mad by Katie Turr. And this one comes out on June 1st. And it is a memoir about her life chasing the news. And I don't know if I've read a book, a memoir by a journalist. I, I Maybe, but I don't know if I've read one. And what sold me on this one was this quote. By the time I was two years old, I knew to yell story, story at the squawks of my parents' police scanner. By four, I could hold a microphone and babble my way through a kitty news report. By the time I was in high school, though, my parents had lost it all. Their marriage, their careers, their reputations. Excuse me? What happened? That sounds good. And it turns out her parents were pioneering helicopter journalists, and they grew rich and famous for their aerial coverage of Madonna and Sean Penn's secret wedding, the 1992 L.A. riots, and O.J. Simpson's notorious run in the white Bronco. 
So that was her parents. News is in her blood. And she pursued a career in journalism. And in Rough Draft, she writes about her eccentric and volatile California childhood, punctuated by forest fires, earthquakes, and police chases, all seen from a thousand feet in the air. I'm like, excuse me, I need to know Mm. more. She talks about her complicated relationship with her father, who had, it sounds sometimes like a really magnetic, but sometimes frightening personality, and how she went from a local reporter to a globe-trotting foreign correspondent, all while running from her past. Like, okay, I must not. I know. And this is a memoir. And so she opens up with her struggles against burnout and against imposter syndrome. And I'm like, let me me see what's going on here. Sounds pretty fascinating, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's got a great cover. That's initially what Uh, caught my eye. It's called Rough Draft, Motherhood and Journalism in a World Gone Mad by Katie Turr. Um, I've never heard of this or her. I watch ABC too. Oh, and she's three days old. She's three days older than me, exactly. I was like, wow, I feel so not accomplished (laughs) because she's, you know, fairly young. That sounds really good. I'm going to try to get that. Okay. My shelf edition is a title grab. And you'll know exactly why as soon as okay. I say the name okay. of the title. It's called Disappeared. <laughs> oh, that's, that's all I need. <laughs> Do we need to know more? It's by Bonner Spring, and it's out now. And this is a sister book. So we have Julie and Faye. Oh, and what I really love about this, it's set in Morocco. Oh, cool. Yeah, Julie mm-hmm. and Faye. And one day, I don't know exactly why they're there together, but I'm I'm curious. I'm not sure if they're on vacation or they live there. But one day, Faye disappears from their hotel. And although she leaves a note saying that she'll be back in two days, she doesn't return. So Julie takes it upon herself to eventually start checking with the hotel staff, checking Faye's luggage, trying to find out, number one, where did she go? And how come she didn't return? She ends up discovering that Faye was headed to a remote village in the Saharan desert. Of course, she's convinced that Faye is in danger and her worry is increasing. So she decides she has to go find her. At the same time, it sounds like a woman is killed on the hotel ground, somewhere near it. And that attack was meant for Julie. So she takes off. She ends up going to try to find Faye with the help of a guide because she has to go through somehow through the desert. And anyway, the guide ends up abandoning her and she's all alone. And somehow, eventually, and this is this is in the synopsis, so I'm really wondering what else is going on with this story. Because she ends up reunited with Faye, and they're both in a prison cell. Oh, oh my God. That okay. Good. So we have to then find out what happened. How did they get there? Why is Faye being so secret? It's clear, it becomes clear, that these sisters are in a web of dangerous lies, and someone is about to make them permanently disappear. And they're going to have to fight to stay alive. They're fighting against soldiers. I'm not sure who else. It's being billed as perfect for fans of Tana French and Martin Cruz Smith. And that was disappeared by Bonner Spring. Yeah, that sounds good. I love the idea of 
well, I hate it. It's like a huge fear of being abroad and getting put in jail. Like exactly. Talk about a fear. Right. Love it. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, So that sounds really good. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. And thank you so much to our Discord moderators, Genevieve at Genevieve.reading and Zach at Zachary.goodreads. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember everything's better with books. The rain has been brutal, like to the point, like bad for even the Midwest. Like, yes, it's, it's nonstop. Mm-hmm. Nonstop. Non-stop. Non-stop. It's either rain, windy, yeah. cloudy, uh-huh. cold, or, or all, all the together. above. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs>